What's going on, everyone? My name is Jordan. I'm one of the pastors here at Renaissance. We're so grateful that you've tuned in with us for this Easter Sunday. Happy Easter to everyone that is joining us. Now, spring is in the air and things are starting to open back up a little bit. A lot of people are getting vaccinated. We're starting to see more things open back up. And yo, my group chats are kind of bust, uh, uh, bubbling these days. Uh, people are starting to wonder and think about where we want to go as things start to open back up. Now, one of my favorite trips that I take every single year, it's me, my brother, and my cousins, and we take a trip to see an NBA game in a new city. And we go to a city for about three or four days. We eat our way through the city, uh, watch NBA, play spades, no kids. It's basically my favorite thing of, of the year. Now, for you, as you're thinking about where you want to go, uh, what you want to do as things start to safely open back up, man, do me this one favor. Just one, don't fly like a super budget airline. Now this is not because I'm bougie. This is because years ago I had the worst flight experience of my life. And I don't even like to put any airlines on blast, but on Frontier Airlines, I was flying to Denver. The flight was like $7. I should have known that it was gonna be a problem when, I, when the, my Uber trip was probably more than my flight was. And yo, we got, in the air, everything was fine. You know, you can't bring any bags. You gotta, you know, stuff your, your luggage underneath your kneecaps. And um, we were about a half an hour outside of Denver and the pilot got on the air, just like I've heard a thousand times. And he says, you know, we're gonna be hitting a little turbulence. So buckle your seatbelts. Now I, I've heard that a thousand times, didn't think anything of it, but yo, five minutes later, I was convinced, like for real convinced that this was it. The flight attendant was legitimately closing her eyes in fear. Uh, people were screaming. The, like, the plane was shaking so violently that I was looking out the window, like really expecting one of the wings to just snap off. We had some Pentecostals in the front of the plane praying in tongues. And I was like, yes, <laughs> if there was ever a time to go to the Holy of Holies, now is that time. But there was like a really weird thing that also happened that day. And one of the reasons I remember the story so well, my friends were flying with us and uh, they have a three and a four year old daughter and their parents didn't want them to be scared. So they told them that this was like a roller coaster. Like this was like being on a ride at, at Disney World. So as the plane would dip violently like a thousand feet down and everybody would be gasping and crying and terrified, these two little girls were cheering, yay, yay. And it was a really peculiar sound. And here, here's what I found that day. It's a really strange sound to hear celebration in the midst of real agony and real anxiety. Like it's really, it's really weird to hear cheering and laughter in the face of real fear. Now, one of the dilemmas this Easter is the year that we have just come out of and thinking about all that has happened in the last 365 days, people are celebrating. As a matter of fact, today, billions of people around the world are celebrating Jesus this Easter, this Resurrection Sunday, and they're celebrating uh, Resurrection Sunday in the midst of real anxiety and real, ang uh, real agony, real separation, uh, real isolation for so many different people. Now think of all the things that have happened this past year, just in America alone, uh, this past year, we've seen racism uh, hit the main screen of, of our American consciousness. Uh, we've seen horrific things and are trying to figure out where do we go from here. Well over a half a million people have died from COVID 
And every single time I say that, I, I just, I can't comprehend that number. That many people, um, and to add uh, on top of that, so many people were not able to even see their loved ones off in the way that they would have liked to. So many people died alone, and this was truly uh, a terrible year for that in that regard. Now, some of the losses that we've experienced from COVID were not just the loss of people, which was obviously the greatest loss. We've also experienced a huge loss in our connections. For many of you, uh, you've lost connection with so many different people. Some of those connections have uh, been from work, people at church, family or friends. Some of those have moved to Zoom and others have been severed altogether. We've lost our structure and our rhythms and so many different things uh, this year. Now, and to add insult to injury, Tom Brady won another Super Bowl this year and there was great anxiety and agony in my household for sure, uh, but in all seriousness, now is a time of real anxiety and a time of real isolation and people digging themselves out of the pit of trauma and isolation. But make no mistake about it, now is a peculiar time to celebrate, but if the resurrection of Jesus is true, if it's like really true, then it's, it's not like my friends, three and four year old daughters who are oblivious to the reality of what's going on in the world, but rather the resurrection gives us an audacity to celebrate in the midst of pain and agony and isolation. Now, as a matter of fact, uh, the first resurrection morning, we see real anxiety and real agony that was interrupted by this resurrection. I wanna take a look at Matthew 28 verses uh, one through 10. Now, Matthew is one of the four gospels and the gospels are basically like biographies of Jesus's life. They tell the story of Jesus and here's an account of that morning. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. The angel told the woman, don't be afraid because I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he is risen from the dead and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and, don't miss this part, great joy, great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. Now, I don't want us to, to run past this too quickly because there is some amazing stuff in the context of all that's going on here. And a, a quick trigger warning, we're gonna be talking about the crucifixion and some of the implications for that. It's gonna be a little bit graphic. Um, so now, the two protagonists of this story here in Matthew 28 are the two Marys, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, the mother of James. Now, as God would have it, these two women, among others, were there when Jesus was crucified. So I want to be honest to what the context of the scripture is painting and not skim over the horrors that they witnessed. They saw someone that they, had, that they loved dearly, their friend and their Lord, executed. And if we sanitize their experience, we will miss out on the profound nature of the resurrection and its ability to interrupt anxiety and agony. Now, I can say without a shadow of a doubt 
a few things, a few days in my life that were days that I knew my life would never be the same after that moment. Some of these days were really good, like the day I met my wife or the day I had my kids. Uh, but some of these days were really difficult ones. And one of the days that I knew was going to be transformative for my life was May 25th, 2020, the day that George Floyd was executed on the streets of Minneapolis. Now, like a lot of other people, I made the mistake of watching the video, of hearing him gasp for air and begging uh, to be let up because he could not breathe. And I was traumatized. And like so many different people, it brought real agony. And man, to say it was traumatizing is, is truly probably the best way of, of describing it. Nobody should have to witness something so horrific. And I wish I didn't watch it. Now, with the two Marys experience, was that times a million? They were not watching a video of someone that they did not know from a thousand miles away on their iPhone. They were watching up close and personal, someone they had followed for years, beaten, bloody, and naked, and hanging on the cross. And scripture tells us that just three days later, something so profound would happen that they would have great joy. Now, what do you think would have needed to happen that George Floyd's family would have great joy just three days later after he was executed. It would have to be something so profound, so miraculous, something so otherworldly that this world has never seen before that could reverse what had just happened to their loved one. So when the scripture says in verse eight that they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and with great joy as they ran to tell the disciples the news, it's saying that the resurrection really does have a real profound power. Now for us, I think what it gives us today is the audacity to celebrate with all the things going on in, in our world. And one of the, the main reasons it gives us the audacity, audacity to celebrate is because sadness in our life does not have the last word. Think about the things that are just making you sad today. And I, I certainly could give you a long list of the things that can make us sad today or in the future, uh, but sadness does not have the last word. And we actually see this theme all throughout the scripture uh, all throughout the Bible, uh, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. Now, one of the questions that most of us face whenever we hit sadness and disappointment is not necessarily why, but how long? How long will this thing be? Now, most of us can endure uh, even really uncomfortable things for a certain period of time, so long as we know that there is an end coming in sight. Now, for those of you who know, um, I am certainly not a runner. And I, uh, when my wife and I were first dating, we decided to run a half marathon together. I thought it would be a great idea. It was not a good idea because I found out very quickly that I am not a, a type of guy who can run 13.1 miles without a lot of pain. Um, but the thing that kept me going when my legs felt like I had cement in them was that I could see the finish line. Now, for a lot of us today, the thing that I want deposited in our hearts and our spirits is that sadness never has the last word. All throughout scripture, we see the story emerging over and over again, back to from Genesis all throughout Revelation. Sadness never has the last word. And this is what we see here in this account. Their real tears, their real sadness was turned to great joy. Now our resurrected Jesus gives us some promises. Our resurrected King Jesus gives us some real promises in Revelation 21. He says this, uh, and it says, Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look, 
God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. He also said, Write, because these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Now, Jesus gives us a promise that he is making all things new. And that's right now. He does that primarily through the body of Christ and through the work of his spirit. And it's also in the age to come. Now, what does that mean for us right now? It means that the injustices we see on a daily basis will not have the last word. It means that the struggles that you and I have in this life that you feel like you can't break free from, they will not have the last word. It means that the, the ruptured relationships and the dissatisfaction that you feel with so many different things in your life, those things will never have the last word because Jesus promises us, Jesus, our resurrected pro Savior, promises us that sadness and defeat will never have the last word. Now, Jesus' resurrection also means that we are forgiven. Now, as a pastor and as a Christian, I think forgiveness is the topic that is most discussed and least experienced. Meaning, a lot of us know this concept mentally and intellectually, but we don't actually live it out. We actually don't experience the forgiveness. We don't actually feel that we are justified, that we are in right standing with God, not based on, on us and our behavior, but based on what God has done in Christ Jesus. Now, this past year, I've talked to so many different of you people who are all over the place, and some people are just bored with the pandemic, but others are really struggling with their faith. And so many people have reached out and said, honestly, Jordan, like this past year has been really tough. I've relied on the physical gathering so much, and in a lot of ways they've drifted and feel like, man, it's been, it's been 20 weeks since I've watched a service, or it's been so long since I picked up a Bible or, or prayed. And if you place your faith in Christ, here's what I want you to hear. Your sins, your wandering, your faithlessness is forgiven. For some of you, this past year has brought up some uncomfortable truths about your own life, things that you don't, you would rather not, you'd rather not look at. Uh, we talked about George Floyd a, a couple of minutes ago, and some people have had to confront the racism that they have harbored in their own hearts and, and lives for their entire life. And it's just a really ugly thing to confront. And how do you move forward with this pretty crippling thing that people feel and carry in their lives? Here's what I want you to hear. Everything that we have taken to Jesus, we are forgiven. For others of you, um, you are resentful of the circumstances that you have found yourself in, whether in this pandemic or at another point in life, and you just took matters into your own hands. You were tired of waiting for God and God's timing. You were tired of trusting and waiting, and you took things into your own hands, and maybe now you regret it, maybe you don't, but maybe you're starting to wake up to, to feel what it feels like to truly believe that your ways are better than God, God's ways and you're, you're, you're sorry about it. And here's what I want you to hear, that your sins are forgiven. Now, most of the time when we talk about this concept of forgiveness, myself included, most of us talk about the crucifixion of Jesus, that Jesus went to the cross for our sins. Now that is true, but scripture writers take that and take it a step further. When they talk about Jesus, they don't just talk about his crucifixion being the thing that makes us right with God, but rather Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. 
He says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. In other words, if Jesus didn't get up from the grave, all this stuff we talk about, all about Jesus's teachings, it's not worth it. Now, here's how one theologian puts this concept. He says, had Jesus remained under the power of death, how could he have delivered you from it, from its power? For he claimed to be God, claimed that he would die for the sins of the world and claimed that he would rise again on the third day and give us eternal life with God. And if he didn't raise, then that would make him a liar, not a savior. Now, the resurrection is proof that Jesus is who he says he is and that the forgiveness that he offers us is actually legit. Jesus is not the, the teacher who promises us something that he cannot deliver. And the resurrection proves that Jesus truly has the power to forgive us of our sins. He is the real deal. Now, years ago, uh, when I would come home from college in the summertime, um, you know, I remember just hanging out with friends and not too far from here today, um, we would go hang out at the Rucker during summer league games. And I'll never forget this one particular day because it was about to be an epic showdown on High 97 all day. The, the DJs were talking about the NBA players that were going to be there that night. And on uh, Fat Joe and his team, Terror Squad, they had a couple of NBA players coming. And even though the game started at 8, like by like 5 p.m., I left work early that day. By 5 p.m., it was a sea of white T-shirts. You could not even, yeah, I mean, they, was, they stopped letting people in like around 5. Now, you get to 155th and you look around the corner and there's literally a line all the way around the corner. And I was like, yo, there's no way that we're getting in. But I was with my friend who I don't know, like, the best way to describe him. Statue of Limitations has run on this a long time, but he was just a type of dude that can get in anywhere like backstage on a concert. Like he was just a really bold dude. And I'll never forget, we were waiting in line and I was very content to wait in line. Like I was like, listen, they might open up more spots. Let's just wait in line. He looked at me, went to the car, got a duffel bag, passed me his duffel bag and said, come on, let's walk to the front of the line. Now at this point, like I had the thought like, this is, this is a terrible, terrible idea. I don't know what he's going to do, but I know that this is a pretty terrible uh, idea. And as soon as we got to the front of the line, he starts yelling at the security guard, like berating this dude, like, how dare you? You have Fat Joe's player right here, and you're going to just have him sitting outside? We've been waiting out here for 25 minutes. And he's yelling at the security guard, and it worked. Security guard apologizes, moves people out the way to let people in. Now, I was standing there the whole time silent. I wasn't silenced, I was silent. And I was thinking to myself, if this dude asked me the question, are you, are you on the team? I'm just gonna say, no, he lied. And I don't, know why I'm, I don't know why I'm standing here with a duffel bag. But they let us in and we walked into the, to the park. And as soon as we got in, we like ran as fast as we could to like disperse because like they were like ushering us back to Fat Joe and the Terror Squad team. And I was like, if they take us to Fat Joe and his Terror Squad team, like best case, we get kicked out. Worst case, we getting stomped out. So I knew it was a bad situation and uh, we ran and uh, disappeared into the crowd. And the worst part about this story is I didn't even enjoy the game because I was like so nervous 
of being found out the whole time we were there. Even though I had on my own 4X white tee that matched everybody else in the crowd, uh, I just kind of had this fear that I was going to be found out because I knew that I wasn't supposed to be there. I knew that I had snuck in. I knew that we were not in real good standing. I knew that we had to make up a lie in order to get in. Now, here's the thing about the Rucker Park that day. My access was based on a lie. I could change clothes, I can try to blend it to the crowd, but I knew that my access was based on a lie. Now, what Paul is saying here in the scripture, which is so profound, he's saying that our standing with God is not based on a lie. It's not based on some warm and fuzzy feeling. It is based on a real, durable fact. And as a result, our standing with God is secure. It is firm because Jesus has proven that he can raise himself from the dead. And we don't have to live as people hiding in the stands, waiting to be found out, but that we went to the man who himself was the man. And because we're with Jesus, we're actually good. We can sit in the front row and relax because Jesus has secured our entry into God's presence. He has given us real forgiveness. Now, here's what I've seen in my life, and I've seen it with so many different people. Deep down, every one of us longs to be accepted and to be loved by God. Have you ever thought about those questions? Like, what does it mean for God to accept me? What does it mean for God to, to love me? We long to be set free from the sins and the habits and the things in our life that, man, that just mar our relationship with him. And the good news is that Jesus, through his resurrection, proves that he was not faking his way through life, but that he was the sinless savior, the son of God, God in the flesh, who had the power to take up his life again. And because of that, we can celebrate knowing that our, our sins are truly forgiven. When Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, he meant it and his words are good. So number one, we can celebrate today because sadness does not have the last word. Number two, we can celebrate because our sins are forgiven. And number three, we can celebrate because Jesus is with us to the very end. There's a scripture at the end of Matthew 28 from the passage that we read earlier where Jesus leaves his followers with these words. And these are the last words in the gospel of Matthew. And it says, and remember, remember this, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, in a world as complex as ours, with all the things that face us on a daily basis, it's a source of real comfort to know that we are not alone, but that he is always with us, even until the very end of the age. Now, I remember talking to my mother a couple of years ago, right after my grandmother died, and um, uh, something stuck out to me. Now, even though my mother is <clears throat> years old, um, she was saying that she really missed her mother because she wanted to go to her mother for, for wisdom and for, and for guidance, and that there really truly was a void in her life left by the passing of, of my grandmother, who was the matriarch of our family and truly was a source of wisdom. Now, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm with you to the very end of the age. And because Jesus has conquered death, because he has resurrected, when he promises us to never leave us as orphans, he can truly stay good to that promise and he can remain with us. We can celebrate because no matter what life throws at us, we are not left to navigate it on our own. He has given us his Holy Spirit to walk with us every single step of the way. And because he has truly resurrected, we can actually celebrate that, that we are not, we're not alone. 
there's a story about a man named Eric Weinmeier, and Eric Weinmeier was actually the first blind person to ever climb Mount Everest. Now, he, like almost everybody who climbs Mount Everest, does not do it on their own. Uh, they do it with the help of a Sherpa, someone who has navigated that terrain over and over and over again and can tell you when to move forward and when to stop, where to stand, where to climb, and they guide you step by step of the most treacherous terrain imaginable. Now, what is the resurrection telling us? What does Jesus promise us when he's telling us, and lo, I'm with you to the very end of the age? Now, Jesus is more than just a guide for us, but he's certainly not, not less than that. He's promising us that at every single turn in our life, whether it is dealing with um, difficulty, pandemic, racism, sexism, job issues, broken relationships, conniving friends, or anything else that, will, that can ever come at us in life, that Jesus, our great Sherpa, he is with us, guiding us every single step of the way. And that is a cause to celebrate because of the resurrection. Now, one of the things that we believe here at Renaissance is our mission is to connect people to Jesus Christ and to each other. And we know so many of you, uh, maybe you haven't been in church in a long time, or maybe you don't know where you stand with respect to you and your relationship and trusting Jesus actively to put your hand in his hand and to trust in him. And we would love to connect you in that way. All you have to do is fill out a connection card and one of our pastors would follow up with you. Or you can text Harlem to 94000 and we would certainly love to start that conversation about what that can look like in your life. Now for the rest of us, I wanna challenge us that these truths would make it from, the, from our heads to, to our hearts and that it would cause us to, to celebrate. I wanna celebrate right now in, in worship. Let me pray for us. Uh, Heavenly Father, I'm so great, grateful for all that you have done and all that we can see about your life lived in Jesus Christ uh, today. And Father, I pray that it would give us an audacity to celebrate, an audacity to celebrate you and all that is going on in our lives. Father, as we face very real issues, I pray that you would fill us with hope, whether that hope is from the scripture or hope that we see from other people, uh, the faithfulness that you have in, in their lives. Fill us with hope and confidence and celebration. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.